0: been very naughty. <laughs> hello, hello, hello and welcome to another episode of Scaring Sam. And yes, the beautiful one has returned. And Sam here is here as well.
1: <laughs>
0: ha ha. ha.
1: <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. I was just waiting for it.
0: This episode we are talking about 1985's Life Force started by Toby Hooper. Screenplay by Dan O'Bannon and based on the novel The Space Vampires by Colin Wilson.
1: Which I think it should have been called, you know. Or if they remade it these days, definitely.
0: (laughs) It sounds like a 50s horror film, doesn't it? No.
1: Go proper cheese, Space Vampires.
0: Yes, you cannot take this film at all seriously, and you shouldn't, because it is the horniest horror film we have ever seen. The story goes... It is a joint British-American space mission who discover a 150-mile-long alien spacecraft hidden in the tail of Halley's Comet. And if you know your space stuff, because we sound intellectual now...
1: (laughs) That technical term.
0: Halley's Comet comes around every 75 years.
1: A quick note that apparently the next time Halley's Comet... Coming around is 2061.
0: So when was the last time then? That must have been quite recent. I don't remember that scene in the news.
1: 1986.
0: So they got that wrong because this film came out in 1985.
1: (laughs) I'm like, couldn't they have just delayed it a year?
0: First, they find a lot of giant, human-sized, bat-like creatures just flown around, dead and stuff, which automatically should be a red flag to people, but apparently they just overlooked that. Steve Railsback plays Colonel Coulson and he says, I feel like I've been here before. Yeah, because the tunnel looks like a birthing canal. It's very fleshy looking in here. As Sam liked to describe it, this little chamber, which looked like a glowing ship's anus, they find three ridiculously hot naked young people inside these impenetrable crystal display cases.
1: I guess, yeah."
0: Colonel Colson's like, oh, something's happening to me. Yeah, you're getting a boner, mate. <laughs> and then some other horny astronaut goes, I've been in space for six months and she looks perfect to me. So, 30 days passed apparently, and find everything is torched. Torched. Everyone looks like beef jerkies, but surprise, surprise, all the hot, young, humanoid people, they're perfectly intact, so. They send them down to Earth to the European Space Research Centre. I don't know if that's a real thing. And, of course, Chaos Insures. And they bring in Peter Firth, who plays Colonel Kane, which they really should have worked with the names there because you've got two colonels, one's called Kane, one's called Coulson. Not remotely confusing when they share a screen (laughs) together. So he's brought in once... Space Vampire Girl, who's literally called, in the credits, Space Girl, she breaks free, wanders off, drains the life force out of people, and when she drains the life force out of people, they come back as, like, withered husks, who then drain the life force out of people and become youthful. It's basically Space Vampires. It's literally...
1: It is what it says on the tin.
0: Yes. And she goes wandering off, and they bring in Colonel Kane, who is the SAS, and... Aside from this dodgy, receding, curly ginger hair, he's meant to be a hard bastard. And you know he's a hard bastard because he wears a turtleneck (laughs) under a leather jacket under the heaviest trench coat I've ever seen in my life.
1: Yeah, it was a bit of a a strange selection of clothing. I
0: I guess this is the 80s, the decade where fashion died. And he's aided by Dr. Hans for played by Frank Finlay, who is essentially his Van Helsing. He's Van Helsing fighting space vampires because he's fascinated by life after death. And he's the one who describes Space Girl as a vampire. So what role? What job? What position are you in in the European Space Research Centre? I mean, I don't understand how your fascination leads to space exploration.
1: Anything that turns up that looks remotely dead gets handed to him.
0: Later on, he gets delivered this medieval iron sword, which is there to kill off the vampires. It's a really terrible...
1: Magically, it just appears in the plot.
0: Yeah, it's basically a very terrible Chekhov's gun because it's there, mm. never, no explanation. He just decided to get that delivered as he was doing his research, I guess. It's all off camera. Later on, he does a phone call saying, I killed one of the male vampires who was pretending to be this guard just a deuce ex machina to finish the job off at the end. This film came out in 1985, but in terms of budget, let's say when it came to John Carpenter's The Thing, which came out three years prior, looks vastly better in terms of practical effects compared to this film. You've got these withered husk creatures who literally do look like puppets on a string. You can describe Life Force as cheap and cheerful. It's a cheap and cheerful, trashy horror film because this is made by the Canon Group, Incorporated, who are renowned for making low-budget movies. Life Force, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, and Masters of the Universe were three of their most expensive, and Canon are ridiculously infamous for over-promoting their films, which never live up to expectations. Life Force was dubbed the cinematic sci-fi event of the 80s. Oh... This is a decade which had <laughs> Return of the Jedi, Blade Runner, Rafa Khan, E.T.
1: I mean, the list could go on. The list
0: could go on and life always probably right at the bottom of that list. Yes. But let's get back to Space Girl. Space Girl is played by Matilda May and she's essentially naked, full one naked for, what, 95% of this film.
1: Yeah, it's only till the very end that we see her with some kind of clothing. Which
0: she just then takes off again. During the filming of Matilda May's first scenes, there was a suspiciously high number of carpenters and set constructors hanging around.
1: Of course there were.
0: <sighs> so the remainder of her scenes were shot on a closed set.
1: Well, that should have been from the beginning.
0: Yeah, it should have been.
1: Don't you think?
0: Yes. Yes. Apparently, though, strong emphasis on apparently, May was very comfortable being naked so that she would stay that way in between filming scenes, and people would struggle to maintain eye contact with her.
1: Yeah, I could understand why. Some people were just comfortable in their skin.
0: Okay, does not make you uncomfortable then. Guess her age.
1: Um, she was very young. I'd probably say, like... Nineteen, maybe.
0: Close, well, she was eighteen. Toby Hooper, the director, thought that if she was completely waxed, May would somehow look less naked. Huh? No, I don't understand the logic there. She didn't because now her vova was visible, which somehow made her look younger. There's no words, is there, really? No. So she had to regrow a landing strip of pubes back before film has died. Right. Yeah, I don't understand the logic there. If we got rid of all her pubes, she would look less naked. No. And when you watch this film, eventually the two hot male vampires wake up. Because it's never really explained what their power set is, but they tend to make glass explode around them, these vampires. mm
1: mm-hmm.
0: And they wake up. The guards start shooting at them. Of course, it doesn't do jack shit. Bullets never do anything in films.
1: Well, there was... The bullets were penetrating their um, skin or whatever. I uh, mean, it looks like skin. <laughs> it doesn't stop them, though. No. And they late, just keep walking.
0: Later on, it's revealed, because they apparently die in a ball of flame, they somehow transferred their life essence into the two guards and were masquerading as them, until yep. Van Helsing somehow discovers one of them, stabs him with a sword... I guess they didn't have the budget to film that.
1: We see it in the other one, though.
0: Oh, yeah, like a final boss battle.
1: Yeah, and he turns into a bat.
0: He's standing in front of St Paul's Cathedral. Colonel Kane has to face him, and he says something like, it would be less terrifying if you just come to me.
1: OK, here yeah. I come yeah, with and this massive sword.
0: All this life all spews out of him, he turns into a giant bat and then explodes.
1: You know, standard.
0: Yeah, not remotely difficult at all. You see the male vampires walking around and there's a surprising lack of male nudity. And you think, ah, oh, okay. Equality wasn't a thing in the 80s and apparently it was systemic. Turns out this was due to censorship rules at the time that forbade full male nudity.
1: And yet you can show full female nudity.
0: Yeah, you can have an 18-year-old French girl walking around completely butt-naked. But you can't show a floppy knob.
1: I just... Sorry, I know this is a podcast, but I don't have any words to say to that. It's just... It's not one rule for you and one rule for everyone else. Like, come on.
0: Yeah, exactly. And they even had these, like, skin-coloured, like, sleeves to put on their knobs and shoot. <laughs> which apparently you can see if you, like, freeze-frame certain shots. So they, they couldn't even be naked on set, but she could. And let's face it, it's a male-dominated industry, so a lot of these people on set, like the set designers, and the gaffers, and the cameramen, were men. And in amongst all that is one young, potentially vulnerable, naked 18-year-old girl. And I think this is reflected on the screen, because seriously, this film is so ridiculously horny.
1: And never have I ever seen so many men sweaty like that. They're not having sex. Like, there's sex sweat on screen. That's a completely different thing. This is just sweaty faces. <laughs> like, what, why are there so many sweaty faces?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it starts with that exploration in space with all the male astronauts. And then when they get Space Girl into what the examination room because she's unconscious at the time you just have this really horny security guard who just wanders in there
1: do you reckon sorry do you reckon there's there's someone that's been hired to spray people's faces to make them look sweaty
0: <laughs> they must do now where does this myth come from that you get that sweaty not just when you have sex but when you're horny I mean, they what they have to emphasise the point. I mean, their, their eyes kind of give it away. I mean, no acting is that good. They're clearly the male actors themselves were just looking at Matilda May with their big horny bug eyes, and let's emphasise that by spraying them with sweat on their face.
1: <laughs> Obviously, you shouldn't be taking this film seriously, but. At some point, I was like, what's happening? Like, seriously? <laughs> like, when you've got the security guards, and then he decides that he's just going to go in.
0: That doesn't look good either because horny guardsmen creeping on some unconscious young girl.
1: Didn't... No, they said they were going to be cutting her open. Did they? I'm sure they did.
0: Oh, they said they're going to examine her, but they could be just poking at her or something.
1: Yeah but if if they had decided that she was alive in a way they would have stuck her up to like monitors and stuff.
0: I don't know I think they're pretty lax in the 80s because in terms of quarantine they play fast and loose with that. She wakes up sucks the life force out of him although he enjoys it. He turns into a withered husk and they just barge their way through. I mean, there could be some dangerous pathogen in the air. There could be some virus space. I mean, space.
1: The, the situation of where this... Of, like, the building, though, <laughs> that they're in, it is basically just an office.
0: Well, let's just say that the European Space Research Centre is not NASA. I don't know if NASA was doing a favour, doing a joint British and American space exploration, because, yeah, it's a really ugly office block, mm-hmm. which probably... Oh, yeah, because it's the 80s. They're just smoking freely in the office. So there's probably dirty tobacco stains on the ceilings and everything. So, yeah, security, quarantine, everything is very lax. Very lax indeed. To the point where Space Girl can just wander off. Wander off into London Park somewhere.
1: Well, some of the security guards have a little joke, don't they? (laughs) There's just, there's one guy that's like eat, ha, eating a biscuit and like she starts walking down the stairs and he's got his half eaten biscuit and he's like oh come towards me <laughs> like he looks like he's offering this biscuit like come on naked lady come come closer i'll give you this half eaten biscuit just come to me
0: and obviously <laughs> it's filmed in England they are english actors it's like seeing... That Rachel in Friends. It's just the English accent feels very distinct to the point it feels like Dick Van Dyke doing a Cockney accent.
1: Rachel in Friends.
0: Emily in Friends. Yeah, I I did a Ross. I did a Ross. Yep,
1: (laughs) you did, dear Ross. (laughs) I know we watched that episode recently.
0: (laughs) Yeah, things not to do in your actual wedding. Yeah. The English accent in place, especially with these guardsmen, it sounds really, really, like, cockney, doesn't it? It sounds very forced. Mm. I mean, maybe that's how we sound to our uh, American listeners. Maybe. But in our ears, it's sounding like it's like, all right, darling, you want a biscuit?
1: <laughs> it didn't sound quite like that to me, but OK. <laughs> and
0: around about this point, Colonel Colson. He's found to have survived the Churchill in the sole escape pod. There's a budget and there's only one escape pod on this ship and he used it. And he's brought to the Space Research Center and he has the most epic wet dream you have ever seen on screen. I wasn't aware that we needed to see that but I guess it serves for plot reasons. He fantasizes seeing Space Girl in a gothic crypt because, of course, she's a vampire.
1: And she does end up in that crypt anyway.
0: Yeah, underneath St Paul's Cathedral. Yeah. And it's revealed that somehow Colonel Coulson has this connection with her. Ooh. Never wholly explained.
1: Because they say that they've been to Earth before. Maybe... One of them had mated with a human before, and he is a descendant of that human, so he's part them. But that's the only thing I can think of. Like, you're one of us. Yeah, but it's
0: it's literally one sentence, and it doesn't lead to anything, because it's right at the end of the film. If they visited Earth before, because obviously the space vampires created the myth of vampires, so I guess they come to Earth every 75 years... But the level of destruction they cause in the third act, surely every time they visited, we would be on the brink of extinction. And then they allow us to repopulate. But how much could the human race repopulate within 75 years? So Coulson, he has this epic wet dream, which I guess for the actor was the best day on set ever. His nocturnal emissions that are so intense, he wakes screaming that maybe he actually blew his balls off.
1: Okay, so you're pointing that out. The thing that, in that scene, I don't understand, is why the Doctor and Kane are literally just outside the door, waiting. They're not even in the office, they're just in the corridor.
0: (laughs) He's like, I don't remember, it was a nightmare. Sure, sure it was. Space Girl is now occupying a body of another woman to lure men. Again, why? She doesn't need to occupy the body of another beautiful woman to lure men. She was pretty much achieving that job as it was. I think later on it's it revealed that her body is actually in that crypt in St Paul's Cathedral and then a part of her can possess other people. Mm-hmm. But at the time when you're watching it, that's not explained until later on. You're just going, what? So she needs to possess this body to lure this middle-aged farmer, I guess, because he looks like a farmer. And also, if she was caught by Fortis, she could overpower him. So, again, logic, people. There is no logic in this film.
1: <laughs> no, stop thinking of it being a serious film, James. <laughs> but I think they
0: were trying to take it seriously. I mean, if they had the budget, which is on level with like a ma- a major studio production, they would have taken it seriously. Hmm. But even the score, because we watched the international version, which apparently is is longer, so it apparently fills in the plot holes. There are still plot holes. So (laughs) God knows what the theatrical version was like. But it reintroduces, um, I think it's Henry Mancini's score into it again. And it is definitely not a horror score when you start watching it.
1: it's not a horror score.
0: It's like you're watching... A 50s serial Flash Golden on the radio, or something that's what it sounds like.
1: I mean, I wouldn't say it's like dated, but it's definitely more sci fi. But music does change things, like if you had a different score underneath, it could have felt slightly different throughout.
0: Yeah, but you're watching it, and it's like, Oh, we're going on to a, some dainty little joint through space. It's like you're watching Captain Scarlet or something, or Thunderbirds. <laughs> and then you've got all these horny vampires flying about.
1: Sweaty-faced men (laughs) chasing them.
0: (laughs) Colonel Coulson and Colonel Kane, again, very confusing, sharing the same screen together, they go on their little adventure to find Space Girl, and this is where they... Because for plot convenience, Colonel Coulson has this psychic link to her, so you can see visions of what she's doing. So he can tell the audience stuff like, oh, she has possessed the body of this woman. Her name is Elaine or something. And, oh, she got in a car with this license plate. So they discover she's a nurse. And they go there. And the Dr Armstrong, I think his name was, is played by Patrick Stewart. And he was making bald men sexy before Jason Statham ever did. Although, somehow, he looks older in 1985 than he does now.
1: I think it's the hair. Because
0: he hasn't completely shaved off yeah. the hair. And he's got the glasses as well. This leads to a scene which, oh my God, has not aged well at all, <laughs> where Colonel Cogson literally slaps the shit out of her to get information. Well, I think it's already emphasised she was previously possessed, but this guy, this actor, goes completely overboard in every scene yeah
1: what what does he say though it's almost like she's asking for it that kind of thing it's something like oh it's okay because i
0: can read her mind and she's a natural masochist and wants me to hurt her so he essentially goes on to sexually assault her because he's then tearing off her clothes slapping the shit out of her And then he's looking over to, like, Colonel Kang, because he's in the room anyway, and he's like, if you don't want to stop me, you you might as well leave. And he says something like, oh, it's fine, I'm a natural voyeur. What? What is this scene? (laughs) I mean, what? You're watching it and you're, like, going,
1: what the hell am I watching? Yeah, I think we did make a look at each other at that point. Like, what's going on? Is this
0: really happening? I know there's an issue these days about wokeness and being progressive, and it's getting completely overboard. But then, you watch something from 1985, and you think, "Oh, okay, yeah, we have come a long way since then." What? Why? I mean, she's—they're trying to get information out of her. Like they're trying to find the location of where Space Girl is. Apparently, cause of plot convenience, Colonel Coulson can read minds. You can read that she's a masochist, but I know she's withheld information from me psychically and I have to beat the shit out of her to get it. Right. And again, it's just another excuse for seeing a half-naked woman again.
1: Uh, No, she's not naked. No,
0: half-naked, because he tears her clothes off, don't he, until she's in her underwear.
1: She's in like a nightdress, kind of, or slip dress or something.
0: But then again, in the earlier scene, she's, like, lifting up her skirt as well.
1: Oh, And then she's, yeah. like,
0: describing it, going, oh, she's showing her banties to the farmer. <laughs> this leads to Dr. Armstrong, Patrick Stewart, and this is where I guess I just phased out in a disassociated state because he's trying to make out that maybe this sexual offender with the mind of a child may be possessed by a space girl. But somehow Commander Coulson and Kane are aware, actually, Patrick Stewart's lying.
1: Well, I got that, though. I didn't
0: get I must have phased out. I
1: mean, I put two and two together. Like, why would it be this guy that's locked up? It'd surely be someone that's controlling all these people, you know, that has the keys to all their rooms.
0: <laughs> and this leads to hearing Patrick Stewart going, he's been very naughty. <laughs> In fact, apparently the line was he's been very bad but um, patrick stewart leaned over to toby hooper and went maybe i can add a bit of flavor to this dialogue <laughs> it's just it's very odd to hear patrick stewart john luke picard <laughs> professor x going he's been very naughty <laughs> it was almost as jarring as seeing Exorcist live on stage where Ian McKellen is doing the voice of the demon and he's going fuck me Jesus fuck me (laughs) you're like oh I'm uncomfortable (laughs) I never thought I'd ever hear Ian McKellen ever say this in my life I don't feel good right now I need to shower so yeah Space Girl has possessed Patrick Stewart and they inject him with some hypnotic drug and strap him to a table. Once again, leads to a very, very odd scene in this film. Space Scout is talking through Patrick Stewart to the very unhinged Commander Colson, going, Why are you doing this to me? Why? Why? He's skin slapping the shit out of Patrick Stewart. This is the way he seems to gather information. Slapping I do I think he was
1: slapping him.
0: He was slapping him at one point. Hmm. Slamming him against the um restraint table or whatever it is. Yeah, but
1: that's when they almost kissed or they kissed. They
0: kissed. Cause that
1: was just strange.
0: Yeah, it cuts between, like, Commander Coulson seeing Patrick Stewart on the table and then seeing Space Girl on the table and then back to Patrick Stewart and he's like, he leans in, he leans in and you was like, uh, are they going to kiss? Yes. Yes, they are. And that was, in fact, Patrick Stewart's first on-screen kiss. Oh. This film is full of gems, Sam.
1: I do think that, though, maybe if you saw it when it came out, it's one of those films that you will enjoy more if you saw it back then.
0: Yeah, it was a decade full of, like, corny slasher films Mm. where the women tended to not have three dimensional characters and were just there to whop out their jubblies and then get killed. So you could say it's kind of, kind of, in that demented way, progressive that the main villain was meant to be this strong female character. Going back to London, and this is when Colonel Coulson actually reveals what really happened on the Churchill, and he had this overwhelming sense of love. No, mate, that's horniness. You're old enough to know the difference now. Oh,
1: is this the bit where he's like, she was the most overpowering feminine presence I've ever felt?
0: Yes. Yes, it was. (laughs) This leads to clearly where all the budget of this film went, the third act.
1: And the bit that I actually quite enjoyed. Yeah,
0: this is where the whole film has been leading to. They arrive back in London and it is utter carnage and it is a great sight to
1: see. It's literally, though, it's literally like between vampire and zombie apocalypse.
0: It reminds me of a um, Lucio Fauci Italian horror film. He's the guy who's completely obsessed with eye damage. Oh. Is it called City of the Living Dead? It looks like this. You've got all these zombified creatures running amok causing absolute carnage and there's fire everywhere and it's all grim and gritty and trashy looking it literally looks like the end of days yeah and it's great it's really good to see i mean there's a part where van Helsing looking out of this view of london and it's got this kind of fiery smoky yellow hue over london and it looks really good. It looks great to look at. Thinking, oh, okay, this is what the apocalypse would look like if the apocalypse involved a lot of horny vampires turning people into hus when
1: Don't they drain their life force. The
0: it's not just sweaty, horny men. Now is an indication when they've been turned because when your life force is taken from you, you turn into a beef jerky, and two hours later, the beef jerky wakes up,
1: sucks someone else's life force. Yeah,
0: sucks somebody else's life force. They then become all rejuvenated and moisturised. <laughs> and then two hours later, they then crave somebody else's life force. And if they don't get it, they just
1: Within explode. like 30 seconds. Yes,
0: explode into like sawdust or something. And that's what's happening in London en masse. You've got husky things, husky beef jerkies running amok, trying to suck the life force out of people. Well, at this point... For some reason, they're now like biting and chewing people's necks off, and they're jumping on cars. They're tearing off, trying to grab at people. Fire, brimstone. There's bodies littering the steps of Whitechapel, and because of the low budget, it's not. It's not this polished sheen of like Will Smith driving through New York in I Am Legend, slapping the shit out of it. Or well, no, that was something else. It looks like the end of the world would look like it's dirty the dirt under people's nails it's london it's it's grizzled and gritty and you're like yes this is where the money went because clearly it weren't the acting (laughs) because it is wooden in most of it it's like they only had the budget to shoot a scene once what's causing all this carnage is the spaceship reaching orbit and it's Sending the life force of the vampire bats and their possessing people? I didn't get that bit.
1: No, it's taking the life force from the humans on Earth.
0: But how did that plague spread in the first place? Did it just gradually build up? Some people got their life force sucked out of them and they came back as beef jerkies and run amok?
1: at some point they discussed that she was never actually just going from one person to another and she was just in the crypt, basically. Yeah. So she would have been sucking people's life force out all that time.
0: Yes, because she is the conduit for the spaceship. The life force of these people go through her first before it mm-hmm. goes into the ship. Because it's revealed over the years that the vampire bats from space have been feeding on each other to survive and the last survivors were somehow sensed the minds of the Churchill's crew. And as they were approaching the ship, they transformed their forms into the most beautiful looking people they could ever imagine to lure them in. And apparently Toby Hooper wanted one of the male vampires to be played by Iggy Pop, but he was on tour at the time. Did Bleach Blonde hair do it for people? I don't know. Mm. So she's the conduit and they need to complete the circuit by humping, I guess.
1: I mean, they weren't even really humping. It was just lots of... Grabbing at each other's bodies, and
0: they're like somehow doing it, standing up on top of a crypts, and there's a hole where the life force pumping through. And
1: I'm sorry the way that you the way that you said that. There's a hole, and then
0: Cain comes with his sword. Well, it's a good way to describe it because there's no hole in like the crypt in Saint Paul's Cathedral. I don't think so he's he's looking down. There's always life force pumping up. He's <laughs> he's kind the of, word that you're using. But he's standing there looking down at them bumping uglies for a bit. He's grasping really tightly to his sword, the iron one. And Carlson grabs the sword, sticks it in her back and into him, bringing new meaning to double penetration. And then they get catapulted up to the spaceship. It collects all the life force and then buggers off to Hades Common. So that did jack shit. Colonel Kane just standing there, looking up into the sky with all these bodies cluttered around. So I... Guess whatever anybody did in this film was futile. Perhaps this evil is so esoteric and godlike in its power that man could do nothing to stop it and eventually the ship will return once we've repopulated 75 years later.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, you just said that really weird.
0: Tobe Hooper once said the film is about men dealing with the feminine mystique or the feminine terror. I'll argue... And say it's actually about the power of boners dooming humanity. (laughs) I honestly don't think you could make this movie any other way than this. Low budget exploitation style. Because the plot is so absurd. It's just absurd. It's it's absurd. Folks, we are literally dealing with vampires from space.
1: (laughs) Why are you saying it either?
0: Vampires from space. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The main monster is a beautiful French woman who spends the majority of the runtime butt naked sucking the souls out of horny men. You can't take this subject matter seriously.
1: <laughs> the sweaty faces.
0: The sweaty sweatiness.
1: Anyway, Rotten Tomatoes. It's a 45% audience score.
0: It's better than Morbius.
1: Yeah, but remember, like the older films on Rotten Tomatoes don't have as good as a score. Yeah, that's, Do it's
0: bollocks. Unless it's a definitive classic like mm. The Shining or Godfather, the older the film gets, the lower its rating becomes.
1: The tomato meat is probably a bit more um, accurate than I, I would say it's 57%.
0: The kind of film you get your mates around, you get the drinks in, and you just watch a completely bonkers, trashy horror film. Which, again, you cannot take seriously. It's there to have fun with. You have fun with this film.
1: Sorry, I just I just thought of a really crude drinking game.
0: Every time you see a sweaty brow on a man in this film, you will end up in hospital getting your stomach pumped. You can have a laugh with this film. If you get enough people around, I no, know, a Halloween party, you have it playing in the background. These kind of trashy 80s horror films are perfect for that. Because someone's going to walk past and be like, What the hell are we watching? That was Life Force. Did you enjoy it? Let us know. We do appreciate you listening. And if you do like our podcast, come rate and review us and possibly subscribe to us on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's probably Spotify. You have been listening to Scaring Sam, and we have been your hosts. Did we introduce ourselves at the start? Yeah, we did. Yes, yes. yes. I'm James. (laughs) I'm always Sam. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at ScaringSamPod.
1: And if you would like to email us, you can contact us at ScaringSamPod at gmail.com.
0: Yes, we had a lot of fun recently on Twitter. I asked, what was the best horror sequel and, unanimously, it was Evil Dead 2, followed closely by Aliens, which I don't regard as a horror film, I regard it as a sci-fi action film.
1: Some parts are horrifying.
0: Yes, but Alien, sci-fi horror. Aliens, sci-fi action film. It's a sequel yeah. which actually did something different with the source material instead of repeating itself. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the future we will be discussing the best horror sequel ever, Evil Dead 2. But until then...
1: That's half an hour. Stay... Why do you do that face? It's my face! It's just my face. And you
0: keep going, like, you about better say something.
1: Yeah, I... <laughs> You look like you're trying to eat the air.
0: That's what you're doing. You're just going, Are oh, you about to say something. Like. <laughs> Like, 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 like you're trying to prepare me. No.
1: He's
0: going. You're going. Yeah. You're going. You're, there's a pause, and then you go. We're we going to say it. <laughs> Stay safe so Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bye, everyone. <laughs>